could be turning your Bibles this morning, please, to Exodus chapter 20. As we get back into our series of fresh look at the Ten Commandments. And when you find Exodus chapter 20, go ahead and find the Gospel of John chapter 8 as well. And if you have a marker, uh, put a marker there. We'll be in John chapter 8 in just a little bit. So Exodus chapter 20, John chapter 8. And I wonder, while you're finding that, how many of you enjoy... Receiving greeting cards. Let me see your hand. You, re- you enjoy receiving greeting cards, okay? Look around in case you send them. You know who to send them to and who not to send them to. All right. How many of you enjoy sending greeting cards? Let me see your hands. All right. All right, you put those down. Well, I know a lot of you have a real ministry with uh, sending greeting cards. Uh, and that is a real ministry. And people appreciate that so much. Uh, Al Moeller Uh, observe that greeting cards are a part of our culture, and as such, they're an expression of who we are. Uh, They express who we are as a culture. That being the case, listen to what he said in his book on the Ten Commandments. He said, a few years ago, the Los Angeles Times reported that Kathy Gallagher developed a line of cards for couples involved in an adulterous affair. The whole idea is profoundly sick, but it tells us a, a great deal about our society. In an article entitled, Adulterers Need Cards Too, the writer described a Christmas card developed for the series of greeting cards, which includes this line. As we celebrate with our families, I will be thinking of you. According to the Los Angeles Times, Miss Gallagher says her secret lover collection of 24 cards is the first line exclusively for people having affairs. And she expects no pun intended hot sales. According to the Times, half of married people have had affairs, though some studies show the figure to be far less. And Mueller went on to say, yes, there is nothing like a little home wrecking sentiment to warm the adulterer's heart at Yuletide. Beloved, we're living in a. Sin-filled, sex-saturated society. Everywhere you look, sensuality and sex are, are paraded about in ways that dishonor the Lord, belittle marriage, belittle monogamy, and warp the morals of people. Hollywood is filling the TV screen and the movie screen with sex and adultery. Uh, one such popular show is called Desperate Housewives. I checked out Focus on the Family's website, PluggedIn.com. And by the way, if you want a good site to go and review movies and television programs and music and so forth, Parents is a good place for you to check out as well. PluggedIn.com. Uh, it's from Focus on the Family to see their review of the show. And the review uh, started since 2004. The women of Wisteria Lane had been having affairs, children in breakdowns with eerie regularity. They reviewed the uh, episode on February the 28th, uh, and it has a TV guide, a TV rating of TV 14. So they say, this is what 14-year-olds uh, are okay to watch. This one was called The Chase. And I'm not going to read it all because it just gets worse and worse. But it says, uh, concerning this show called The Chase uh, on uh, Desperate Housewives, traditional promiscuity. So old school on Wisteria Lane. Most of this episode's relationships center around homosexual affairs. Catherine suspects that she might be a lesbian. Breve's son admits to having an affair with a male employee. Gabrielle temporarily plays hooky from her family to party with two gay neighbors and their bevy of buddies. I miss the gay single life, she says, and it goes on and digresses even more. I will not even read it. But listen, this is entertainment in America. 
This is what people spend their time watching. This is what people spend their time filling their hearts and minds with. And if ever there were a day when the seventh commandment was needed, it is today. The seventh command you'll find there in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 14, where the Bible says very simply, very plainly, yet very boldly, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. In just five words, God sets up a standard that we dare not defy, deny, or disobey. Now, this commandment brings up a a topic that some may feel uncomfortable talking about. A a subject that uh, we don't want to discuss at times, especially in church. It brings up the topic of our sexuality. And you say, oh, oh, preacher, we we can't talk about that. We, We can't mention that. Listen, God speaks about it in his word. And we better speak about it in church. We better talk to our teenagers about it. We better talk to our children about it. We better make it plain and clear what God's word teaches about our sexuality. Listen, do you want your children and your grandchildren to learn about this topic out in the world, on television and their friends? Or do you want them to learn about what God says in his own word about this very important topic? I'm afraid that over the years... We drop the ball when it comes to this subject. Uh, We've been quiet in Christian circles. We've been quiet in the church while the world has been shouting its promiscuity out and parading it about. Yet we kind of kind of sunk back saying, no, we can't talk about that. Listen, we better talk about it. God talks about it and God's word talks about it. So let's lay down some basics before we focus on the topic of adultery. Let, let's, let's focus on some basics when it comes to sexuality. And I would encourage you to jot down some notes today. Take a care card there in front of you. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. And we don't have time to turn to every passage. But I will give you the references and I'll read the, re- the passages to you. And you can jot down these references here. And we'll be looking at Exodus 20 and John 8. We'll turn to that one and read it together. But uh, I'll read it. You jot them down. And let's jump in here and lay some basic Groundwork when it comes to this seventh commandment. First of all, I want to say this very plainly, very boldly, very clearly. Sex is God's idea. Sex is God's idea. Has it ever dawned on you that man did not create sex? God did. God created it. Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 2:24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. God created the man. God created the woman. He put them together in holy matrimony and he intended for them to have sexual relations together. One man, one woman who are married, joined together till death do them part. And this command, it it, it protects the sacredness of marriage. Uh, Listen, marriage was God's idea. Sexual relations was God's idea. Sex is God's idea. But secondly, sex is God's good gift to us. Sex is God's good gift to us. Now, of course, sex is for procreation, but that's not all it's for. Sexual relations between a husband and wife is also for our pleasure. Sex is a good gift. And some are maybe blushing right now. And maybe I'm blushing, but it's the truth. It is a good gift from God. 
Howard Hendricks said this. He said, we should not be ashamed to discuss what God was not was not ashamed to create. Think about that. We should not be ashamed to discuss what God was not ashamed to create. So a husband and wife would enjoy this special relationship. Proverbs 5, 15 through 20. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 5, 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured with an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Uh, the other week, if you follow the daily Bible reading plan laid out in the open windows devotional, the other week you read a book called Song of Solomon. And in Song of Solomon, you, you read some stuff there that maybe might even surprise you if you've read it before. As one noted, the, the Bible book, Song of Solomon, it's a beautiful, passionate, even erotic love song. And you see that right in God's word. Sex is God's idea. Sex is God's good gift to us. But don't miss this next one. That is this. Sex is sacred. Sex is sacred. Hebrews 13, 4 is very clear. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. God's word is crystal clear. And that is this. Sex is to be enjoyed within the bonds of holy matrimony. The marriage bed is undefiled. Now, people today want to talk about safe sex. And they want to encourage our children and grandchildren to, to practice what they call safe sex. Listen, the only true safe sex is sacred sex between a husband and wife. Right there you should say, Amen. I'll say it again because some of you are sleeping. The only safe sex is sacred sex between a man and his wife. Amen. Amen. Now, yeah. Now, that verse there in Hebrews mentions fornicators and adulterers and fornicators and fornication deals with premarital sex. This is the kind of sex that unmarried folks have. And adultery deals with extramarital sex. That is married folks having sexual relations with someone other than their spouse and fornication and adultery. These sexual sins are both condemned in Scripture. You say, no, wait a minute, preacher, this is this is all so old. I mean, the, the Ten Commandments, that's under the law. We're under grace. I mean, this is Old Testament. We're living in modern times. Loosen up. I mean, come on, man. Well, listen, let's get a New Testament passage then. First Thessalonians four, one through eight. First Thessalonians four, one through eight. Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Now, listen. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That's any kind of immoral sexual relations. Anything outside of God's parameters and boundaries. Husband and wife. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, 
who has given us his Holy Spirit. Believers, we're to live lives of holiness, lives of purity in the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, now some might be thinking, well, listen, this could never happen to me. I mean, this seventh command, you shall not commit adultery. This could never happen to me. I mean, this is one, you know, it's great for other people, but it's not for me. Listen, listen to me. Listen and listen to God's word. First Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. If you're sitting there thinking this will never happen to me, then you better memorize that verse. Take it to heart. Let him to think if he stand up, take you lest he fall. Listen, if you think you're above falling sexually, do you know what you're saying? You're basically saying, listen, I'm stronger than Samson. I'm smarter than Solomon. And I'm more spiritual than David. Think about that. Think about how they all dealt with these matters in their own lives. Exodus 20, 14 is very clear. You shall not commit adultery. And I want to challenge all of us today to do this. I want to challenge all of us to choose purity. Now, two weeks ago, we saw how life was sacred, and I challenged you to choose life. Today, we see how sex is sacred, and I challenge you to choose purity. And I'm going to give you some real practical uh, helps in this regard. But before I do, maybe somebody here today, and, and, I, and, and you're sitting there, you say, you know what, preacher, it's too late for me. I've already chosen impurity. I've already failed in this area. I've already committed adultery. I've already committed fornication. I've already committed sexual morality. Maybe you're even doing it right now. And you say, it's too late for me. Listen, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. First of all, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do so today. He'll forgive your sin. He'll make you a child of God. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll wash you, cleanse you, make you pure and righteous in Jesus Christ in the sight of God. If you've never been saved, Come to Christ today. Come to Christ today in faith and repentance. Now, maybe you're a believer. You say, wow, can believers listen? David was a man after God's own heart. And you can see that what he did with Bathsheba. We'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. But yes, it's possible. Let him think if he standeth. Let she that think if she standeth take heed lest he or she fall. If you've messed up in this area, is there any hope? Yes. Here's what you need to do. First of all, you need to confess your sin to God. In other words, confess means you agree with God. You agree that what you're doing is wrong. It's sin. You need to repent. That is, turn away from your sin. And likewise, you need to forsake your sin. You need to stop it. You need to break it off. You need to cease. You need to stop and and not do it anymore. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If you're engaged in sexual morality in any way, shape or form today, you need to confess. You need to agree with God. Yes, it's sin. You need to repent. You need to turn away from it and you need to forsake it. And I've got great news. Go to John 8. I asked you to find that passage earlier. Go to John chapter 8. And we find a lady who was taken in adultery and they brought this lady to Jesus. And I want you to see what Jesus Christ did with this lady. And I want you to see the marvelous love he displayed. And maybe you're here today and you're feeling just this terrible, dejected. And you know that you're wrong in these areas. and You know that you've sinned. I want to challenge you. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Confessing, repenting and forsaking that sin. Come to Jesus. 
John chapter 8, we'll begin reading at verse 1. John chapter 8, begin reading at verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So get the picture here. He's there teaching the people. Verse 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And they said, and they had set her in the midst. So you see them dragging this woman and, and putting her there. And verse 4 says, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I mean, they brought her from the adulterous relationship. Literally, she was caught in the act, they say. And there she is before Jesus. They say, now Moses, verse 5, and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. That's how serious God took the matter of adultery. But here's what they're testing him. But what do you say? Verse 6, this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Now, notice what Jesus did. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, now what did Jesus write on the ground? I don't know. It doesn't say. But whatever it was, I want you to notice what it says in verse nine. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience Went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Now notice this last part. Go and sin no more. Do you see the gracious love that Jesus had for this woman as they drag her in? She's caught in adultery. They want to stone her, kill her. And Jesus says, listen, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And maybe you're involved right now in sexual immorality. Maybe in the past you've been involved. Maybe you're contemplating being involved in it. I want to say to you today, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you've never trusted him as Savior, come today to him as Savior. If if you're already saved, come to him today in repentance and confession. Forsake that sin and come to Jesus. Now listen, let's just be practical for a moment. Let's just be blunt. If you've committed adultery, you've got a lot to work through with your spouse. And it's going to take a lot of time. And the trust has been broken and it must be rebuilt over time. And you need to seek godly counsel and godly help in those matters. And we'll be glad to help you. But whatever you're dealing with in those areas, come to Jesus. Just as this lady was brought drugged before him, he said, neither do I condemn you. But listen, he says what? Go and sin no more. And that's the key. Now, some practical helps in choosing purity. There are several areas that you need to guard in your life. This is for all of us, men and women, some areas you need to guard in your life. And so I'm going to give these to you, give you a lot of references, jot them down. First of all, you need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. 
Proverbs 4.23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Jesus said in Matthew 15.19, listen, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, listen, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You see, adultery and sexual sin is not just an outside sin. It comes from the inside. We must guard our heart because out of our heart comes these things. And right along with guarding our heart, you need to guard your mind. You need to guard your mind. Second Corinthians 10.5 says this. Second Corinthians 10.5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, so much of the battle with sexual immorality takes place right here in our minds, in our thinking. Now, you cannot prevent an evil thought from coming into your mind. I mean, they'll just come. Here's an evil thought. But the idea, beloved, is we don't feed it. We don't make it so it can flourish. We take it captive in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we don't allow it to to dwell there and flourish and, and, and bring forth fruit. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard our minds. And if we're going to do that, we have to guard our eyes. Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Listen to what Jesus said about this command. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. If you don't write any of the references down, write that one down. Matthew 5, 27 to 28. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now listen to what he says in Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her or for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, did you catch that? He's saying it's not just the physical act itself. It's the heart attitude. It's the heart that's involved here. Looking to lust is adultery in the heart. If you're filling your mind with pornography, if you're filling your mind and your time with lustfully girl or guy watching, If you're filling your mind and your heart, your time and your eyes watching raunchy TV or raunchy movies and the like, Jesus said you're committing adultery in your heart. We're to guard our eyes. Believe it or not, Job dealt with this. Job uh, 31.1. Listen to what he says. I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? He says, listen, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to lustfully look at a young woman. You see, it's not the first look that gets you in trouble. Some things you cannot avoid. Some things you cannot help. It's the leering and the lusting. Listen, David accidentally saw Bathsheba that night, didn't he? I mean, he's walking out there and he looks over and he sees. And isn't she so appropriately named Bathsheba? And there she is taking a bath. And she's out there. We have to wonder about her, too. Uh, but she's out there taking a bath. And the first look, that was not sin. He should have said, oh, and he should have ran back downstairs and, and closed the windows, closed the doors, go to bed. Pray. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Thank you for helping me overcome the temptation. But he didn't do that, did he? he? He saw the first look and instead of leaving, he started leering and he started lusting and, and he lingered and, and he committed adultery with her. Second Samuel chapter 11. And what happened here is he he not only committed adultery, it ended up committing murder, didn't he? And and he hardened his heart against God and he impacted his life, his family after that. 
You see, you got to guard your eyes. Some things you can't help seeing. I mean, everywhere we go today, we're, we're bombarded with this. You go to the checkout line at Walmart or the grocery store. It's all around you. You drive down the highways on giant billboards. You're watching a, a ball game. There it is. It, it's all over the place. But here's the idea. You've got to guard your eyes to the power of the Holy Spirit and, and say, listen, I, I, can't, I can't help but accidentally see, but I'm not going to leer. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to linger. I'm going to guard my eyes. I'm not going to bring it purposefully before them. Not only guard your eyes, so we're guarding our hearts, we're guarding our, our minds, we're guarding our eyes. We also have to guard our ears. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, listen to Proverbs 5, 3 through 5. Proverbs, Proverbs 5, 3 through 5. For the lips of an immoral woman, woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and her steps lay hold of hell. You see... We've got to be careful what comes in our ears. The lyrics of music. The words of evil people. The speech on some radio stations. It fuels the lustful desires that are within you. I mean, we've got to be careful we allow to come into our ears. That's why some people are addicted to these 900, what are they, one, 900 numbers or whatever they call. And they literally pay for people to talk. And, and, and evil sexual ways to them because there's that element of, of, of that uh, lust being fed through the ear gate. So regarding our, our heart, regarding our mind, our eyes, our ears. And of course, that also reminds us that we're to guard our own mouths, guard your mouth. Proverbs 7, 5 says they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Proverbs 7, 5. Proverbs 7, 13 to 21. So she called him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I found you. I spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey and he's taken a bag of money with him. He, he will come home on the appointed day with her enticing speech. She caused him to yield with her flattering lips. She seduced him. We've got to be careful what we say with our mouths. Careful what we say with our speech. Careful how you talk to those of the opposite sex. Listen, if you're guilty of, of flirting, you think it's innocent. It's not innocent. You're playing with fire. And can a man take fire within his bosom and not be burned? You need to guard your heart, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, and also guard your feet. You say, preacher, what are we talking about now? Your feet? I mean, they're ugly things, aren't they? We have to guard those in regards to sexuality. Well, listen, Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Proverbs 5, 8 through 11. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. Listen, there are some places you should never go. There are some places we do not belong. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we dare not go there. We have no business being there. You're setting yourself up for failure. Don't go there. 
Don't go there. Guard your feet. But also guard your hands. For 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. We're dealing here with the appropriate touch of the opposite sex. Be careful in this. Be careful in this. Guard your hands. You say, preacher, this is too much to remember. I mean, to my guard, your, your mind and your heart and your hands and all this. Stuff. I, I just can't remember all this. Well, let just take it real simple then. If you don't get anything else, get this one. Guard your body inside and out. <laughs> just guard your body inside and out. Let me give you some scripture on this. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Guard your body inside and out. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Now I'm going fast today, but we've got limited time. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Listen, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual morality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Guard your body inside and out. And by the way, this would include dressing modestly. You have no business, Christian, dressing to bring sexual attention upon yourself. Save that in the privacy of your own home for your husband, for your, for your spouse, for your wife. But listen, out here, let's dress appropriately. Let's dress modestly, not seeking to entice others to be drawn to us sexually. Guard your body inside and out. And one more, an important one. Guard your spouse. Guard your spouse. What do I mean? I mean, meet your spouse's needs. Now, we, don't, we can't go into all this. There's a CD set that we did on uh, Help for Your Home. You can get that. You can go online and listen to it. But I dealt with what's a husband supposed to do? What's a wife supposed to do? The gift of marriage, those sorts of things. Get that set if you need it. And, and, and listen, but guard your spouse. That is, meet their needs sexually. You say, oh, does the Bible say? Yes, the Bible addresses that. 1 Corinthians 7 again, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. Now, concerning the things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. We just read that. Listen to verse 2. Nevertheless, because of sexual morality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, that is sexually, except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. Why? He says, come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So we are to guard our spouse. Guard our bodies inside and out. And so we have all these safeguards in place, all these things set up. And we're careful and we're diligent in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're guarding ourselves. Now, here's what's going to happen. Temptation still going to come. It's still going to come. These guards help a great deal. But what should you do when you're staring temptation in the face? Because it still comes. Got all these guards up walking with God. Temptation still comes. What do we do? Well, I want you to encourage you to practice the three R's. Practice three. And I'm talking about writing, reading, and arithmetic either. I'm talking about the three R's we learn from the, the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. 
Genesis chapter 39. And we cannot deal with this fully. We dealt with this in our Joseph series. And we have that too if you want a copy of that. It's called Salt by Potiphar's Wife. You know, Potiphar's wife was very diligent and deliberate and bold in trying to seduce Joseph. But Joseph was victorious. And I've just narrowed it down to three R's that you can practice and I could practice. Three R's for responding to temptation. First of all, recognize. Recognize it for what it is. It's sin. Now, the temptation's not sin. You need to learn that in the Christian life. If not, you're going to be beaten down, discouraged. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. We're all tempted. Every one of us. We're tempted. The temptation is not sin, but yielding that temptation sin. Recognize it for what it is. If I yield to this, it is sin. Genesis 39, 9. Here's Joseph. He says to Potiphar's wife, there's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he, that is his master, kept back anything from me but you because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, Joseph recognized it for what it is. Listen, it is not just an innocent thing. It is not just an innocent fling. It is not just a one night stand. It is sin. It is sin. It is sin. Recognize it for what it is. It's sin. So recognize. Secondly, remember. Remember your responsibilities. Remember God's word. Remember your responsibilities. Listen to what Joseph said again. Verses 8 and 9. Genesis 39, but he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he's committed all that he has in my hand. There's no one greater than I in this house, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. He said, listen, Mrs. Potiphar, listen, your husband has entrusted me and I'm I'm the chief steward here and and I've got to be faithful to him and I've got to do what's right. And furthermore, to do this is to sin against God. Remember, Christian, you're a child of God. You're an ambassador of Christ. You represent Jesus Christ. If you fail in these areas, what does that do to the testimony of Christ? Remember your spouse. You've got a husband or wife that's depending on you and trusting you. And you stood before a minister and you said, I promise that in richer for poor and better or worse, I'm going to be faithful till death do us part. Imagine telling your spouse about your failure. Imagine telling your children. I mean, really, literally imagine that sitting your kids down and saying, listen, Dad committed sexual immorality with someone other than your mother. Imagine that. Remember your responsibilities and remember God's word. It's clear. It's clear. One man, one woman, holy matrimony. That's where the sexual relations take place. But then third. You ready? This is real deep. Run. Run. You say, is that scriptural? Yes. Genesis 39, 11 and 12. Joseph again. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the house was inside that she called him by his garment saying, lie with me. She was not talking about telling stories either. Lie with me. That's what he says. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. He lost his coat and kept his character. New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6.18. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee sexual immorality. Flee it. It means run. At the moment of temptation, it's not the time to debate. It's not the time to dawdle. It's not the time to decide. You better make your mind up beforehand. 
That listen, when the temptation comes, I'm not hanging around. I'm running. I'm getting out of here. I'm removing myself because you know what? God's word is clear. Recognize it. Practice the three hours. Recognize it for what it is. If I do that, it's sin in the eyes of Almighty God. Remember your responsibilities. Your spouse. Uh, you're a child of God. Remember God's word. It's clear. And then run. 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 Imagine the difference in David's life if he had run. If he had ran away from Bathsheba. If he had run down inside. Closed those doors and went to sleep. But he didn't. Now I want you to catch this and we're almost done. Christian. You don't have to sin. You are not stuck. There's always a way of escape. Because some say, well, I just couldn't help. There's no other way. Yes, there is. Let me give you a scripture verse. Two of them. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. Where it is read 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And I hope that by now you realize that yes, you... You could fall. I could fall. So what does God's word say? Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. In other words, you're not alone in this thing. Other people are tempted. But listen to that rest of that verse. But God is faithful. Bringing up God's faithfulness here, not yours. God is faithful. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able You say, it's just too much. No, God says, listen, I'm faithful believer. I'll never let you be tempted above that you're able. Listen, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God is faithful. Christian, you and I, we do not have to sin. If we sin, we make the choice. We've been delivered from the bondage of sin. We've been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. When sexual temptation comes and the power of the Holy Spirit, practice the three R's. Recognize it for what it is. Remember and run. Now, what do we say about all this? We say this sex is sacred. I told you at the beginning that God's word talks about sexual immorality and our sexuality. And over and over again, we brought verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. Why? Because God knows the real part of our life. And he created his goodness sacred within the proper boundaries. So. Choose purity. Choose purity. You'll always be glad you did. How many people say, oh, I wish that I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't fallen. But how many of you ever heard say, listen, I wish I hadn't chosen purity. Listen, choose purity. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Choose purity. Father. We are a desperate, needy people. We live in a world that is saturated with this sexuality, immorality. We need you in a desperate way. Lord, I pray in this invitation time that you'd work and move in hearts and lives. I've done my very best to declare your word today. I pray now your Holy Spirit has been taking it and using it and will do do so throughout this invitation time. If somebody here today is lost, I pray today be the day they trust Jesus. If people are struggling in these areas, I pray today will be the day that they come to you. I pray for marriages that are rocky right now. I pray for a strengthening for husbands and wives to, to surrender afresh and anew to your lordship.
and truly making Christ the center of their home. And Father, I pray, I know even this week we're going to be tempted. All of us are. This day will not even pass, possibly before we even get out of this building this morning, before we're tempted to take a lustful look. So I pray that you would help us to be like Joseph, to be like Jesus, to choose purity. Bless now and use this invitation, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is one we don't often use for an invitation hymn, but I thought it most appropriate. Number two, holy, holy, holy. We're going to stand and sing that in the altars open today. If you need to be saved, I invite you to come. If you want to come pray, I invite you to come. Number two, holy, holy, holy. Let's stand and sing.